0: I have a pantry full of cans of tuna that I can just open, you know Mm -hmm. I have a refrigerator with milk in it. If they wanted milk, probably they had to go milk a cow, you know
1: Well, hello there and welcome to the Bible Geeks weekly podcast. This is episode 32. I'm Brian Sheely I'm Ryan joy and thanks so much everyone for tuning in we're continuing our series on growth, talking today about how to make more margin. We'll get into talking about what that's all about in just a little bit. But before we do, we've got a Jesus Said segment, and I have a verse for you this week. All right. And that is in the book of Luke, chapter 10, beginning roughly around verse 38. As they were going on their way, Jesus enters a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, and here we go. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So what do you think?
0: Oh man, I love these two women so much. <laughs> <laughs> and in this moment, Martha is, uh, is on the wrong side of things, but she's a pretty special lady too, it seems, as we looked in the Lazarus story, and, and man, there's so much in this little interaction with Jesus. I connect with Martha as much as I connect with Mary in this story. Mhm. I have moments of look, there are things that just have to be done. We have responsibilities here. I'm here to serve these people. Let's let's do what we need to do. And there's some nobility in that you can see in Martha, but she just has it wrong. And it's interesting yeah. that she has it wrong because we see how right and how grown up that <laughs> that way of thinking is. And yet Mary, who we might think is is shirking her responsibility and leaving it to her sister. I don't know if it ever says this, but I definitely get the sense Martha is the big sister here. And uh, <laughs> she is just sitting there. And it's extraordinary even that Jesus has a woman sitting there that he thinks of as a disciple, as someone who has the right and the responsibility to learn. Because in that culture, in Jewish culture, you know, women didn't Learned. They didn't sit at a rabbi's foot like this. And yet Jesus does want Mary and Martha to learn. And what he says here is really telling to our lives. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Honestly, who isn't? You know, there's there's so easy to get swept up into that. But one thing is necessary. There's so many things we can throw our concerns at and that's part of life, not necessarily being overwhelmed by anxiety. We're not supposed to do that. We're trusting the Lord, but our concerns are everywhere. But in that giant sweeping tidal wave of concerns, it's easy to miss the one thing that's necessary, the good portion, the one thing that's going to last, which is hearing Jesus and learning from him And that's going to teach us how to deal with all the other things going on around us. And that's going to help us focus on how to navigate those things so that they echo properly into eternity.
1: Yeah, I look back onto moments in my own life and I think, what was I distracted with? What did I think was so important in the moment? Only to then, in hindsight, look back on those things and realize that all the things that I had busied myself with that was not the one thing mm-hmm. or as he says here the good portion mm-hmm. that wasn't the thing that i walked away with remembering i i was so caught up in all the stress of the moment and all the things that needed to happen you know if you think about like a birthday party or some kind of mm-hmm. event you're planning it you're setting it up you're doing all the things that need to be done to get that thing going but years later all you remember is the party itself all you remember Mm -hmm. is the time that you spent after all that preparation was done and martha was distracted with much serving Mm -hmm. it's not that she shouldn't have been doing those things but she allowed those good and needful things to pull her focus from what was the one thing that was actually necessary And there are so many times in my own life where I do that. And looking to this story, it's just, like you said, I can connect with both of them here. But more often than not, I find myself connecting with Martha, who was just distracted. Mm -hmm. And trying to pull yourself out of those kinds of moments of distraction is really hard in the moment because you rationalize it. I tell myself, this is good. This is right. This is what I need to be doing right now. All of these details and steps, I have to do this. But when you really step back and think about it, like, do I have to do that? Was that really important?
0: I'm preaching Sunday night on a lesson I'm calling fractured presence. You know, it's just like how we are so easily divided our attention, our focus. And this is now has made its way into the sermon. I I hadn't, (laughs) hadn't folded this into it yet, but now it's, it's gotta be, you're, you're, attention to this word distracted with much serving is really something i i totally missed on this first reading and it goes well with you are troubled about many things mm-hmm. if you've got many things on your mind you kind of have nothing in your clear attention in your in your clear focus and you're not so much present to the thing that is happening right now or that is most important right now and it makes you think too about seasons and Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time to serve and a time to sit at Jesus' feet. And it seems like Martha was missing what it was time for at that moment. There's several things going on here with Martha, as we all can relate to. She's frustrated and you know you can kind of see that maybe the meat isn't the only thing boiling in the kitchen right now she's just like <laughs> you know the smoke's coming out of her ears and she just can't believe that Mary gets to be with Jesus and yeah. and there's a job to do so
1: i find it interesting too what did she expect Jesus to say <laughs> when she comes to him and basically says tell my sister to get in the kitchen did she expect Jesus to say oh yeah That's definitely more important than hearing me talk.
0: I think she absolutely did think that. I think she absolutely thought this is not fair. And I've got, you know, everywhere Jesus goes, he brings his 12 closest friends. So I've got a house full now (laughs) to feed. And I think she believes that Jesus is going to say, Mary, get in there and help your sister. Yeah. And instead he says, basically, Martha. Get in here and sit with your sister. You need to hear these things. You only have me for a short time and you need to hear these truths that are going to change you. So,
1: moving into our conversation about margin, so often, especially in our modern world, we live in this stress filled, busy, anxious, disconnected time, distracted time. Mm -hmm. And that is basically what Martha is dealing with here. I think one of the things in terms of growing spiritually that we really need to put into our toolbox and get control over is making a little bit more room in our life Mm -hmm. for God and for sitting at the feet of Jesus like Martha was expected to do here. And so as we start talking about margin,
0: what does margin look like for you? It looks like me being more purposeful. With how I spend my time, spend my money, spend my energy so that whenever something comes up that I need to do that I didn't expect, it's not all gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it looks like having that room to breathe. It's not about protecting yourself, and that's something Adrienne and I were talking about this this morning, that her family is very good at protecting themselves in good ways, but that also can be a a challenge sometimes. My family is good at spending ourselves (laughs) in Mm -hmm. good ways, but that can be a problem sometimes. And so, you know, I'm not a fan of just saying, well, you need a balance because that just says there's two extremes to avoid and doesn't work through the distinctions of what should guide you. But it's not like the Dr. Phil thing of, you know, <laughs> if I don't take care of myself, then nobody will, you know, I've got f- to right. fight to no matter what anybody else needs, I got to look out for number one and pushing everything out and say, it's not selfish. It's not selfish and it's not, f- it's not based in fear, I guess is what I'm really getting at. Sure. And that's when it can be a little bit based in a lack of faith where we feel. Feel like, you know, last time we committed to too much and I want to learn from that. But then that becomes being managed by the fear of committing to something. So we need to have our hearts all in for the Lord, all in for completely wholeheartedly serving him. And, you know, you can see that in Mary, she's all in in serving the Lord there. Yet that requires us to think carefully about how we are spending the resources he's giving us to give him the maximum fruitfulness. And it's so easy to just lose all of our wiggle room mm-hmm. and just push ourselves, not even to the edges of what we have, but it's sometimes beyond what we have, you know, overextending. Yeah. Especially financially in our culture of Consumer debt and everything, you know, you just push yourself so easily up to the limit. And again, our schedules get maxed out, our finances get maxed out, our energy gets maxed out. And we think that that's what we're supposed to be doing. And really, we're just being troubled about many things.
1: It is my natural tendency. My dad was this way. My mom is this way. I am this way. And it feels like our natural mode of operation to just overextend Mm -hmm. and to push. And in the name of productivity or in the name of fruitfulness, we as a family have always really done that. And I think a lot of this conversation would dovetail nicely into episode 19, go get her a sandwich that we did. (laughs) Talking about fruitfulness and being Mm -hmm. productive, that ability to say no is not a skill that I have developed over the years. And the more and more I think about myself, I think about myself from the lens of Martha in this story, Mm -hmm. how distracted I can be, how busy I can be with things that aren't as important but are still good things and i think that's the challenge because it's not like it's not like we're saying no to bad things i mean yes we should say no to bad things right. but we're saying no to good things i mean who's going to say cooking a meal and being hospitable is a bad thing right well it's not but the point is not that those things are bad but the point is that they are not the better things Mm -hmm. and so i think this whole idea of margin for me is just saying no to good things in order that you have the time and the resources to be able to say yes to better things
0: yeah that's well said a
1: skill that i need to be working on all the time
0: (laughs) yeah me too yeah. Obviously we're uh, choosing this episode, not because this is a skill we have completely mastered, oh, yeah. but because it's <laughs> oh, something yeah. we need to work on and w- <laughs> we're trying to grow here. So hopefully uh, you, everybody listening can find their way to <laughs> to benefit from our ramblings and musings as we try to work through these things for ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I keep thinking about how In the Old Testament, the law managed people's lives in a different way than in the New Testament, where we have these principles and Jesus keeps bringing it back to big truths like love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Not that there's not a, a law of liberty, you know, the law of Christ, not that we aren't we don't have rules, but for the most part, it's very different than the 650 something regulations they had in the Old Testament and, and the way God led them. I mean, it kind of makes me think of how I make rules for my little kids, but as our kids get older, we expect them to understand basic principles of character and then start making good decisions without as many rules and mm-hmm. um, so, you know, you look to the Old Testament and you think, how did God manage people's time and money to force them, if they're following the law, to have margin in their time and margin in their money? You know, why don't we find time to stop and reflect and pray and study and be with our family and just, you know, have that extra Sabbath space. Yeah. Sabbath. We would say there's too much that needs to get done. And in the old law, God said, whatever you think needs done, you have to stop for a day. And, you know, for us, we don't have to go and gather our food for the day. Or work for our food for the day or take care of things. Just, you know, like we, I have a pantry full of cans of tuna that I can just open, you know. Mm -hmm. I have a refrigerator with milk in it. If they wanted milk, probably they had to go milk a cow, you know. And yet God says, leave it alone for a day, get enough space that you can eat for a day (laughs) and just stop.
1: Doesn't that make it even more obvious to us? that we have so many modern conveniences. I mean, you talked about your can of tuna, but like (laughs) we've got a dishwasher, we've got a vacuum cleaner, we've got the internet, we've got all of these modern conveniences. We've got food at close proximity to our house stored up in a giant warehouse that we can just go to whenever we want. We've got all these things. So you would imagine on the surface of it that we would just be more content and more satisfied knowing that we have all these conveniences, but I think it's even more now that we even have all these conveniences and we're still stressed out and we're still overextended. Mm -hmm. It's not like any of these things have brought us the kind of peace that on paper you would think they would have brought us.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Freedom can be a problem if we don't keep ourselves bound in by these principles and learn to live with wisdom And so we end up not taking that time. That was the law in the Old Testament. And, you know, same thing with money in the New Testament. If you read through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and some of the passages in the New Testament about, for instance, giving on the first day of the week to the work of the local church, it's depicted, if you want to make a comparison to the old law, it's more like a free will offering you figure out based on the grace you've been given and your love and your cheerfulness, what you can and what you want to give and you give that and give abundantly. But there's not this amount like in the old Testament where you find in places like Deuteronomy 14, 22 forward, God saying, here's the law you take from everything you grow, all of the produce you have, everything you make, you take 10% of it, the tithe law and, And you set it aside. And if you don't live close to the temple, you turn it into coins and you put those in a jar and you save those and you're going to bring them and you're going to turn that into consumable goods. And you're going to have these things that are going to be in the worship of God and the service of God. Mm -hmm. Why don't we find more sometimes to give, to support the work of God, the poor, noble, extra things, we might think, things that aren't necessary for our survival, We think that our money needs to go someplace already Mm -hmm. and god says whatever you think you needed to spend that on here's the rule you find a way to get it done without that ten percent you know that was the old law and so we have a way of thinking that whatever we have is exactly what we need but what if god is giving us more than we need to use up to fill that black hole of our anxieties Instead, he just wants us to trust him and leave some space for better things so that whenever those opportunities come up to do more, to give more, to whatever, we have kind of built that space in and we have the margin.
1: Even like in a physical space, you know, I I think about how the farmers were told not to harvest the corners of their field so that anyone who was poor and traveling would have something to eat. Yeah. And like, that's an actual measurable amount of margin.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's literal margins on the edge of the field. Exactly.
1: And so if you were planning on only having enough crops to be able to live on, having wiped it all out and harvested it all, well, you didn't plan well enough Mm -hmm. and you needed to have planned to share. And I think maybe that's a better way of framing this whole conversation is just planning our time, planning our money, planning our energy to have enough to spare and to share. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like you only have enough gas to get exactly where you need to go (laughs) and none left over, you're going to be full of stress. Mm -hmm. You're going to be so distracted by that. Whereas if you have... Plenty left over, that's not even a thought on your mind. It's not even a concern that you have. And it makes a lot of sense on paper. But when we're Martha right in the middle of cooking, it's consuming and it's Mm -hmm. distracting.
0: The stress factor is a big part of this whole thing. And sometimes it's really hard to block off time, (laughs) you know? Sure. And you just have your day filled with things. For me, sunday is a big day and it's just packed from wall to wall and it's hard to that's the only day you work that's yeah that's my uh, (laughs) i have i reverse the sabbath i take six days off and i work one day (laughs) so i mean today's kind of like that is just my my schedule for this day you have days like that where it's just Mm -hmm. kind of this and then this and then this and then this in the calendar and sometimes we think it has to be that way and it really, we can turn it back. But I, th- I think about Jesus and how packed his days were. And there's this example of it in Mark 1 verses 32 to 39, where people are just coming to his house all evening to the house that he's mm-hmm. staying in. He is a celebrity in high demand. He's got the paparazzi at his door. People are coming to him. Anybody who's oppressed by a demon, anybody who's sick. And the whole city, it says in Mark 1, 33, is gathered together at his door. Imagine how stressful that would be. People banging on your door. Um, and he's healing people, and he's taking care of things. And the next day is going to be exactly the same. In fact the next day, his disciples very early are out chasing him around, looking for him, and they can't find him. Sometimes whenever your space doesn't allow you to have that space, your physical space, you have to get away from that space. And so he, verse 35, rose very early in the morning while it was still dark, departed, and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And I think you really have to, we really have to get this is not him packing his schedule with more stuff. Sure. This is him making space. Yeah. How is he going to have the energy and the perspective to get through this day full of stuff? that everyone is going to be demanding from him. And he, it's not like he never says no to anyone. Sometimes he does. But there's going to be a lot of people coming to him, and he's going to get away from some things, but he's going to have a packed day. He's got three years of packed ministry, right? So he went away before anybody's up, and he found time to be with the Lord, because that's the kind of thing that creates that sustainable fruitfulness. I think it's John Wesley or Martin Luther said, I have so much to do today, I shall have to pray two hours instead of one. (laughs) If I want to be fruitful enough and be able to have the energy to get through everything I need, if I want to have the Lord's blessing to sustain me and get this all done, I need to spend some extra time with him. And that's a shift in perspective that I lose my way in sometimes.
1: I think we really do need to anchor it back to that perspective, though, because when we answer the question for ourselves, what do I value? Mm -hmm. What would I define as a prosperous and abundant life? Is it having all the time I want to do the things I want to do? Is it having more money than I currently have? Is it doing what makes me feel good? Or do I really value things that are deeper than that? Mm-hmm. If we really do value those things and really do view those things as the things that bring us an abundant life, then we're going to make time for them and we're going to make space for them. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that perspective, then we're not going to block off time to pray and to study and to meditate. We're not going to block off time to have deeper and more intimate relationships with people. We're just going to fill our day with cooking and we're not going to sit at the feet of Jesus. hmm And I think that's what Jesus shows us the perfect example of. He doesn't come right out and just tell everyone, you know, thou shalt block off time to to do this or that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he shows us in his life, like this is what it looks like to be fruitful, to be productive, to be busy in the service of the Lord, but also to say no to some good things so that you can choose better things. And sometimes those better things don't look on the surface, as we talked about in episode 19, they don't look on the surface like productive, valuable things. But rest and prayer and regeneration, these kinds of things are absolutely necessary.
0: Yeah, and and the Lord knows who we are. Jesus says Sabbath is made for man and not man for Sabbath. But it's like the difference between leaving the margin for the poor versus storing up and building bigger storehouses for yourself so you can, you know, live on. That guy built all kinds of margin for himself in his life. Mm -hmm. But that was not the point. And there's this passage that shows two wrong perspectives about Sabbath, but it's in Isaiah 58 and verse 13. It says, Mm -hmm. if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you will delight yourself in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your father's The Sabbath is important and you should be stopping your work. You should be resting, but it's not about your own pleasure, right? It's not also about pursuing your own interests is another way that that can be translated. Like I have some things I need to get done today. I did all those things for everybody else. And now it's my time. That's not really what the Sabbath was about. It was about holy day to the lord it was about delighting in being with god in honoring him and certainly there was there were all kinds of good things that they could do on the sabbath as they stopped their work and took that breathing room but it's easy for me to think that that's what rest is i'm just going to fill it with all the things i want to do and it's it's very easy for just about anything that we get a wrong perspective on to become that black hole that infinity pool that you've talked about it would be really
1: easy on this kind of a conversation to just say these activities are always something to do and these activities yeah. are always something to avoid like just make some broad sweeping statement but i don't think that's what paul talks about in ephesians chapter five when he talks about walking yeah carefully not as unwise but as wise and if you know anything about wisdom and discernment you know that it takes some effort to figure out what is wise in the moment Mm -hmm. and i think we all have a definition of that for ourselves and it really comes down to what is it that you value the most Mm -hmm. what do you value the most what Do you call an abundant or a prosperous life? And if what you are choosing to spend your time on doesn't advance the cause of that thing you value the most, Mm -hmm. well, then it's probably not a, a wise use of your time. And in some cases, as the ladies talked about when they were on the show with us, in some cases, you have to say, you know, I haven't seen my family all week. And we've been incredibly busy this week. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I'm not going to go to this class or this gathering or this whatever. I'm going to spend my time at home with my family. And on, on the outside looking in, someone might say, well, you're not doing what you need to do. But is what I'm choosing to do supporting my greater values? And if what I'm choosing to do is wise and something I'm, I've carefully thought
0: about, then more power to you. That passage you just brought up, Ephesians five fifteen, walk circumspectly or think through the way that you're walking. So you're doing it wisely according to God's plan. The next verse tells us, among maybe other things, he has time management in mind. You know, mm-hmm. the next verse says redeeming the time because the days are evil. So part of walking with wisdom is about being wise and thoughtful and circumspect and intentional about how we spend our opportunities and our time. And it helps me with that to go back to the wisdom that Moses reveals in a psalm written by Moses, Psalm 90, where he says in verse 12, to learn to number your days, or he asks God to teach us to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And whenever we start to realize how brief our time actually is, then all the things that start to encroach on the edges and take away those most important things start to become less essential in our minds. And it's, it's a little easier for me to push some things out.
1: You've got to be honest with yourself and you have to know, how am I spending my time? How am I spending my money? Mm-hmm. Why do I want more time? Why do I want more money? What is my motivation in all of this? If it's purely so that I can spend my time, spend my money, spend my energy on on myself, well, then you probably have the wrong motivation. But if it's to continue to grow and to continue to be fruitful and to continue to draw closer to the Lord, draw closer to each other, draw closer to our families, to be able to support other people. And I think that edges of the field harvesting principle from the old law applies in our giving today, too. Yeah my money is not something that I'm storing up with white knuckles so that I can hoard it and spend it on my pleasure. The goal of making money, the goal of work is so that you can share, mm. you know? And so if, if we're not focused on selfish things, I think the Lord is going to help us and increase what we have so that we can use those things abundantly to help and support and do the work that needs to be done. But when we are selfishly taking our money and sticking it in a bag, Well, God's going to poke a hole in it, and eventually we're just going to be running out of all the things that we are trying to
0: grab onto so tightly. Yeah, and it might be worth, I'm thinking that this is something I want to do, taking with me into that time of prayer, you know, I'm thinking of Jesus going off onto the mountain and praying, but maybe I need to bring with me my calendar and my budget and my actual spending and just prayerfully look at those things, you know, we've been kind of focusing on time and money, not that those are the only things we want margin in, but take those things with me and find a broader, more eternal perspective on those things as I pray over them perspective, it seems to me, is the biggest challenge. Like you're saying, we get into the spin cycle and it's hard to get out of and step away from it and see what we've been living in. It's like the fish being lifted out of the water to see that they actually are in muddy water, you know? You don't Mm -hmm. even know. That's just what you live in.
1: All right, so let's get into the challenge for this week. Yeah. And you can follow along with Ryan's example, or you can identify something in your own life Whatever it is, because we all have different struggles with this. Identify something in your life that causes you stress and take steps to reduce it. Take them to God in prayer, get some perspective on it, and take some steps to actually say no and choose the better thing. That good. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can follow along with our daily downloads. That's at BibleGeeks.fm slash daily. We're also on social media. You can find us at slash the Bible geeks all over the place. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.